It's Travel Tuesday. Happy New Year. We are back in the pod with a banging episode discussing the power of ayahuasca. One of the most popular New Year's resolution always revolves around new beginnings. For my part, it will be to keep on raising self-consciousness by exploring the world and mixing with other cultures. In this episode, we are joined by a special guest, my dear friend Daniela. We will be looking within ourselves and chat about how traveling can change one's life. This woman entered into my life during an epic experience in Cappadocia with my closest friends, a group of friends that I met through traveling, and are now like a family. I wanted to have Daniela in this podcast because I'm very inspired about the way she goes about life, her wisdom and knowledge about the self and how to heal from trauma through her experience in using and guiding others through the medicine is something that really intrigued me the mother ayahuasca. She's the founder of ALMAS, a plant medicine retreat in the Colombian jungle. We live in societies of stress, and many people are looking to heal from what makes them anxious on a daily basis. For my part, traveling is healing, but traveling doesn't need to be abroad, or it can be channeled within yourself in order to resolve some deeper issues. And this is where ayahuasca comes into play. So, Daniela, will talk us through that journey. Please tell us more about yourself and tell us what is the meaning of conscious traveling for you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for this beautiful invite. I am so honored. The meaning of conscious traveling to me um, is just being mindful of the impact around three aspects of your travel plans. One, being the community. Two, the planet and three, yourself. So when we speak about the community, you know, ask yourself questions such as, will your visit contribute not only financially, but will you also leave a legacy? Of course, it's not just about leaving someone a $10, $20 tip once, but also genuinely taking the time to connect not only with the people, but with their culture. Are you truly interested in, in their way of life? And if so, you may follow the practices by giving advice to a young boy or girl and on how to reach for the stars and ask about a volunteering program. And of course, of course, shop local. By this, I mean, take the initi initiative, sorry, to visit a family-owned shop or stop over the local markets and produce stands. But most importantly, never, ever underestimate the people who are serving you, the drivers, the cleaning staff, the people preparing your food. And of course, always show gratitude. Second, when speaking about the planet, I mean, implement leaving no trace anywhere you go. Take trains or ferries instead of planes every time you can. And lastly, Say no to straws and single-use plastic. And finally, yourself. So ultimately ask, what are the lessons that you're trying to absorb from the experience and always approach the land that you're visiting with the highest of respects? And tell us about your journey and how did you get where you are today by launching this retreat and everything? <laughs> so... I was born in Colombia, but moved to the United States when I was nine years old. However, I've always been very connected to my country. 
I would ask my mom to send me to Colombia for the entire three month summer vacation while I was growing up. And I always hoped the same would happen during the Christmas break. I, again, I've always been very, very connected to my roots. And later in life, I owned a medical tourism company for almost six years. And that the very first time I did ayahuasca, the spirit of the plant told me I was meant to bring people from all over the world that were looking for healing and or were in a state of expansion to meet the abuela medicine. So I took this very seriously, of course, and now I hold a magical retreat that does just that. It's a four-night, five-day immersion where we integrate a series of multidisciplinary wellness practices such as daily yoga, ancestral journeys, ancestral sound journeys, breath work, and movements that ultimately prepare you to receive the medicine. The medicine is offered in a ceremonial space led by a curandero. Curandero to us is um, the equivalent of a shaman who lives in the Colombian Amazonian rainforest and has uninterrupted lineage of offering ayahuasca as not only his father, but also his grandfather and so on were curanderos that have worked with the spirit of the ayahuasca plant. Okay, great. Can you describe what is ayahuasca and how is it a beautiful experience? Of course. So I will break it down into two parts. The first one being a more scientific background of the medicine. And the, the second part will be what it does to your body. Let's start off with the word ayahuasca. It comes from the word aya, meaning spirit. And wasca meaning rope or vine in the Quechua language. Ayahuasca is the name of a vine that is endemic to the Amazon rainforest. Scientifically, it's called Baniteropsis capi, and it's one of the ingredients of the medicine that it's also called ayahuasca. There are archaeological evidence to support that it is at the very least a 2,000-year-old tradition, but... I believe and, and, and scientists believe also that it's much more older than that because there is very little archaeological evidence found at all just because of the nature of the rainforest itself. And it has a combined plan added to the medicine. This other vine is called Chakruna and its scientific name is Cicotria vidiris. Although there are other admixture plants, perhaps a dozen or so that are used during the different practices and the and these depend, of course, on each tribe, tradition, and even the family that is preparing the medicine. Almost consider as, you know, their own kind of special recipe for making ayahuasca. The one commonality, however, is that they, the different tribes do mix the ayahuasca and chakruna vines in the ceremonial space. So let's talk about ayahuasca. This vine contains three harmala alkaloids called harmine, harmaline, and tetrahydroharmine, which are categorized as MAO inhibitors. MAO stands for monoamino oxidase, and it refers to one of the enzymes that we produce in the digestion process. MAO is one of the enzymes that 
will help break down some of the foods that we ingest so that it doesn't make us sick. And one of the chemicals that these monoamino oxidase enzymes break down is dimethyltryptamine. And that is the primary chemical and active ingredient found in the other vine, the chacruna plant. Dimethyltryptamine is a very fascinating chemical. In fact, Dr. Riz Strassman wrote a book on it called DMT, The Spirit Molecule. During his findings, Dr. Strassman noted that there are times during the growth of an embryo when it becomes a fetus at around 49 days or so into its development, where there's an instance in which the brain produces this flood of dimethyltryptamine. And here he suggests this could be the actual moment where the spirit enters the body. He also noted that at the time of death, the brain also gets flooded with DMT. And he hypothesized that this could actually be the very moment where the spirit is leaving the body. So within his books, he discusses these ideas and all the investigations that he led throughout his career conducted to this very interesting interesting and complex idea. And all the investigations that he conducted throughout his career led up to these findings. DMT, nonetheless, is a very intriguing chemical that if it's taken with the monooxidase inhibitors, like the primary chemical found in the ayahuasca vine, the inhibition of the enzyme makes it so that the DMT chemical does not get broken and thus travel to the brain easier and faster. These effects allow for the spiritual experience that most people agree takes place uh, when taking the medicine. Okay, understood. Except from all these scientific aspects, what does it do to the brain? So having spoken about the scientific aspect and composition of the medicine, what ayahuasca truly does is that it amplifies the sensory perceptive abilities that we have. We live in a 3D world and we live in a reality that is defined by our perceptive abilities. For example, we do not see beyond the visible spectrum, meaning we cannot see frequencies of light that are lower or above the frequencies of the colors that we see, for example, in the rainbow. To contextualize our listeners, frequencies of light such as infrared or ultraviolet are ones that are just below or beyond our perceptive abilities. But technology has taught us that, in fact, they do exist. Science has been able to discover that we can see only about 1% of the spectrum of light in its entirety. And just because we can't see it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't actually exist. And the same thing happens with sound. Have you seen or heard of a dog whistle before? Which doesn't make a sound, or at least to our ears, but it does for a dog because their audible spectrum is much more advanced than ours. Again, it doesn't mean that the sound does not exist just because we can't hear it. It just means that we are incapable of perceiving it. So there's a lot of limitations within all of our sense organs' ability to perceive, and perhaps all of the limitations are not actually in the organ themselves, but in our brain's ability to interpret the information that it's receiving. Therefore, we can agree that the limitations of our perceptive abilities define our reality. And the same thing happens with all of our other senses, not just our hearing um, sense and our sight. And sadly, we live in a world that it is an experience-based culture where if we can see it, 
feel it or live it, then we believe it to be the truth. But if it's invisible or not backed up by science, then we tend to discard it out of our reality. If we could expand our awareness through our expansion of our sensory perceptive abilities, we could essentially be able to experience more of reality than we normally can. And that's exactly what happens when we do ayahuasca. During this expansion of reality, we can get much more insight into who we are. And it also allows us to remove blockages and dig deep into who we are. At the same time, it allows us to take responsibility for childhood traumas as adults. And it allows us to understand what role we play on this earth. Drinking the medicine is a process that yields for a lot of healing and it helps people even find their purpose in life. And so with this being said, most people who have experienced beauty of ayahuasca can all come to the conclusion that although it's a difficult process to live and experience, it allows for growth and it's ultimately just a very, very positive experience. So um, that leads me to the next question. So what would you consider that are the danger of ayahuasca? So this is a complex question to answer because first and most importantly, I would like to address the fact that I am not a physician. What I can tell you is that at least in our retreat, uh, we pair you with a licensed physician for a whole clinical analysis while uh, or actually before traveling they will they will do a whole clinical history and both for your mental and physical health this person this licensed physician is also present during the whole retreat to supervise each participant ensuring that everybody's vital signs are within normal range prior to receiving the medicine every time that we sit with the medicine the dangers of taking ayahuasca, in my opinion, have everything to do with not doing it in a responsible way. I have stated this throughout our conversation several times, but it's all about making sure that you do a proper dieta, which is all the detox and cleansing of your body before taking the medicine. This is mm-hmm. a big part of the tradition. And it also allows you to connect more with the spirit of the plant, making sure that you do enough research to do a proper dieta. This is actually, in fact, not the responsibility of the curandero to tell you how to do the diet. It's something that each person should investigate and do research upon prior to taking the medicine. The curandero will always guide you through the process, and I am sure that every curandero has its own diet restrictions and its own parameters, but it's very important that you know your body, that you know that you know what needs to be done in order for you to detox, to, to just go with extreme respect towards the experience, and that will take away most of the dangers of taking the ayahuasca medicine. Okay. And is there any specific type of individual who should not be doing it? Yes, of course. So mainly those with a history of psychiatric disorders, such as schizophrenia, depression, Parkinson's disease, uh, to name a few, 
certain psychiatric drugs and medications have been found to not be compatible with ayahuasca at all to the point where they can even cause serotonin syndrome which is a very serious also if you suffer from heart problems such as tachycardia or heart murmur or if if you have a pacemaker you can not take ayahuasca mm-hmm. in addition taking ayahuasca with high blood pressure medications is not allowed or low blood pressure diseases such as uh, advanced diabetes and mental illnesses or having recently undergone surgery you also should not take ayahuasca if you're pregnant or believe that you could be pregnant Mm-hmm. But those are mainly the parameters of people who should not be doing ayahuasca. Okay. You have to know yourself, guys. <laughs> so you have taken the medicine. I have. <laughs> and would you say that it has changed your life and to what extent? Mm-hmm. Wow, absolutely. And in so many beautiful ways, I was fortunate enough to experience an ego death. Mm-hmm. And consequently, I go through life, I believe I go through life with a much more different approach and, and humble perspective. This has helped me significantly in the with my interpersonal relationships where I am less judgmental and I always end up putting myself in the other person's shoes before I make any type of conclusions or react negatively to someone else's actions. And I think that prior to ayahuasca, I was more of a reactive person in my interpersonal relationships. Oh, yeah, it's true. I can, uh, yeah, I can definitely tell that you are the, the most chill person, one of the most <laughs> chill person I ever met. But yeah, I love that. <laughs> and uh, the way the way you see life is, a, is in a very mature way. It's very inspiring. Thank like, you. Thank <laughs> you. No, I, I do really like this. So where do you run this retreat? Because, uh, you know, we're a bit excited about traveling around here. So um, this region in Colombia seems very special. How did you find about that place? Well, of course, you're from Colombia. But how did you uh, kind of discover it? And what can you tell us about it? Tell us more about uh, your country, really. Yeah. So Colombia is a very, very special place. It, It has... A huge diversity. Not only does it have the Amazon rainforest, which we've been speaking about throughout the conversation, but it also has the beginning of the Andes Mountains. It has the Pacific. It has the Atlantic. It has it has deserts. A very well and biodiversified place where there are many traditions, and one of them is, of course, the plant medicine ayahuasca traditions with the Kofan tribe that we can find in the Colombian Amazonia because there are different tribes throughout the Amazon River, such as mm-hmm. the Shipibo, the just to many. There's about a hundred different tribes and different traditions. We actually do our retreat in the jungle three hours away from a city called Medellin along the banks of the river La Miel. In English, it's called the Honey River. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very special place because the jungle is as loud as it can get and it really helps you immerse yourself into the whole experience. However, the curandero that we work with, he is flown in from the Colombian Amazonia into the Rio La Miel, the Honey River, for the retreat. 
Okay. And so yeah. it, it takes, uh, so you meet in Medellin and then you travel there. And it's not the interest because it's a bit of a stick in the mouth. Traveling in the jungle of Colombia can be a bit <laughs> dangerous. Not only for the, the guerrilla, which yeah, <laughs> I don't know. This everywhere in South America, you cannot. You just kind of be, need to be careful. But also, apparently, this indigenous tribe in Colombia they don't really like invaded by outsider. So they, they take a bit of offense if you kind of go there, traveling, yeah. take tourism and things like that, right? Right. So let's talk a little bit about the retreat itself. So the sure. retreat is an all-inclusive experience where once you arrive in the country you don't have to worry about taking your wallet out at all because mm -hmm. it includes the transportation um, the private transportation in Medellin towards the honey river and all the meals it includes the physician supervision the wellness activities whether it's the breath work or sound journeys, or like I said, yoga, it includes all of this. So once you are in the retreat, you do not have to worry about taking out your wallet. When you say, you know, people have a stigma about, you know, being scared of traveling to Colombia. Yes, of course, it's, it's a very valid and reasonable concern to have because about 30 years ago in the 80s, we experienced a very difficult moment as a nation where we not only had a civil war, we also had a war against the world with the problem we had with narcotics. And we were one of the most dangerous countries in the whole planet. And yeah. so, mm. of course, we have evolved so much. And uh, we have done a lot of work, not only as a nation, but with our public relations and with the help of, you know, many nations to, to overcome this. And now we're no longer considered a third world country. We are an emerging market. Yeah. And uh, luckily, we have surpassed a lot of these security obstacles where we, of course, if we find ourselves in the middle of, of a dangerous neighborhood, just like in any other country in the world, mm -hmm. I mean, this happens in the U.S. and yeah, in the in, UK in, as well. In yes. the, yeah, <laughs> in the U.K. And, and everywhere else, you know, of course, you will find yourself to be in danger. But, you know, we have carefully curated this retreat where it is a very safe experience. Everything is very secure. And then on top of that, the country current situation yields for security measures to be less abrasive as there were 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right now, we are considered to be the Silicon Valley for digital nomads. Before, mm -hmm. it was Bali, but after COVID, everyone started making their way down to Colombia, especially to Medellin because of the lifestyle, the cost of living, and the beauty, the natural beauty that the country has. So we have people from all over the world currently living in Medellin, a lot of people in the crypto space, yeah. in the fintech space, mm. people who mostly work remote. And they actually choose to live there because it's a place that has so much to offer. 
Yes, I agree that we're still a country that has a lot to learn from the big powers of the world. But I think that we're doing a lot better than we were 30 years ago. And if you're traveling or considering to travel to Colombia, I highly encourage you that you do because it is a an absolute gem and an absolute beautiful place to visit. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, Have you been, been to Colombia? Yes, I've only been to um, Bogota and Cartagena. I love Cartagena. It's like such a, <laughs> so much happiness, like people singing everywhere, dancing everywhere, good food, beautiful colors. And even Bogota was fun. I did a food tour. Of course, I was a bit in the posh area staying, but the hotel was <laughs> <laughs> was amazing. So I felt, I felt safe, but they probably also four hours Colombia. So because I speak Spanish and I. You have this African descent as well, um, so I could I could pass for Colombia, but uh, <laughs> I I, um, I miss uh, Medellin. So next time, definitely on my list. And then uh, the retreat, I might come and do a little documentary about that. It will be on the channel, so if you still happen to do that. So when is your next retreat? When are you Our, planning to do that? So we are doing three retreats per year. We three retreats per year. Yeah, yeah. We would like to do more. And that's our our goal to expand and, and be able to do more retreats per year. We are even considering, of course, only with the blessing of the tribe to yeah, sure. perhaps start doing a tour around the world in places where it's actually legal. So there's a few places in Europe where ayahuasca is legal. And, oh, yes. And, uh, in yes. Spain, I have people who went to Spain and Portugal as well, I think. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're doing a lot of research towards that and uh, and even other parts of the world, of course, not just in mm -hmm. Europe. But we are working very hard towards materializing this vision. The next retreat uh, is coming up. It's April 20th to the 24th, 2023. We're very excited because it, every time we learn more and more and we make it a more special, more wellness-oriented immersion. So we're very excited about this one coming up and we would love to see you there, of course. <laughs> If I could, um, I would, but <laughs> I'm in Argentina in April already. <laughs> oh, wow. But, so, um, so the next one. The but, next one. Yeah, the next one. But we would, of course, want you to document it. The part when the ceremony is being held, that, of course... Cannot um, be documented. Is, That's of course, yeah. Yes, That's normal, it's, yeah. Mm. it's very private. And I believe I can, I can actually speak on behalf of most tribes. This is extremely prohibited. But the other parts where we're doing all the wellness, multidisciplinary activities that lead up to sitting with the medicine and, yeah. and mm -hmm. receiving the medicine, it would be a beautiful thing to document because you can see, you the know, process. the real, the mm. realness of the process and what people are going through mm. before they sit with the medicine. So, yes. Yeah. And also after that, some people, if they wish, of course, because nobody is obligated to share, they can share how they feel the before and after of where they are. Um, Absolutely. People that are searching for healing and are in that process are usually very open and 
have, you know, a lot of like just a big open heart. So I'm sure that people will be very happy to share their experiences with you. Oh, good. Well, that was a great conversation. Well, thanks for coming it was. Uh, to the to this podcast. So that's uh, the end of this podcast, but I haven't forgotten that I always end the podcast with a quote. So I'll end over to my guest who will give us one of our favorite quotes that can motivate you through your life journey. Yes, and, and this one is, is one that I constantly see on social media, but I couldn't resonate with it more. And I, I love this quote and it's yesterday is history tomorrow is a mystery and today is a gift and this is why it's called the present yeah i know this one it's very good i love this one. <laughs> i was going to use it one day in my <laughs> but glad, that you... <laughs> glad that you use it there yeah, i really like uh, that one it's like a it's like the traveler quote right yes. um, so um we are back now with the podcast. I didn't leave. I needed to take a long break and think through the next steps of this endeavor of mine. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe or to follow, leave a review. And there's other eight more episodes to catch up on if, we, if this is the first time that you listen to this podcast. Thanks for listening and live inspired.